Welcome to Euractive's Tech Brief Podcast. My name is Alina Klaasen, your technology reporter. This week we look at the EU's preparedness for post-quantum encryption in an international context by looking at the dynamics between the EU and the US. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website Euractive.com. This is Euractive's Tech Brief Podcast. So this is the second part of our two-episode series on post-quantum encryption. I'm joined by Heike Hagemeyer, expert at the German Federal Office for Information Security, BSI, and Andrea Rodriguez, lead digital policy analyst for the EU Digital Agenda at the European Policy Center, EPC. In our second part, we will discuss the international context more deeply. So in particular, our discussion will focus on the dynamics between the EU and the US on the topic of post-quantum encryption. I would like to dive into this by asking Andrea. So the EU's flagship program for secure communication is EuroQCI. Does it harmonize with the EU's cybersecurity agenda? I think that the EuroQCI is an example of what EU coordination can, um, can really achieve when it comes to aligning priorities uh, to develop or to find like a new way with new technologies. Um, on the long term, the EuroQCI is, could become the backbone of, of European communications and therefore, indeed, yes, will have a uh, strong uh, positive impact on European cybersecurity. Yet, um, so far, this is uh, only a long-term perspective. So my, my question for this is like, how about like the short-term or middle-term threats? Uh, how does the EuroQCI address them? So I think it's a, it's a long-term bet. Uh, a really interesting project, something that has the potential to position uh, Europe in a leadership uh, position when it comes to, to, to the future of, of secure communications. But I will be a little bit um, still uh, pragmatic in, or just um, a little bit more reflective on what the actual impact of your QCI network is as of now in considering today's like threat landscape. Thank you for elaborating on this point. Heike, now to you. What is your opinion on the effectiveness of the EuroQCI? And could you also dive a bit deeper into what it actually means? Yes, um, yeah, EuroQCI aims to deploy a quantum communication infrastructure in Europe. So its first application will be secure communication via quantum key distribution. And of course, in the future, it could enable other applications of quantum communication beyond security. In the, BSI, in the BSI's view, the primary solution to mitigate the quantum threat is post-quantum cryptography, and QKD is only suitable for a limited set of use cases and not sufficiently mature yet in our view. And the vast majority of applications will rely on post-quantum cryptography. For some use cases, quantum key distribution could be an add-on to post-quantum cryptography once it is sufficiently mature. And we hope that EuroQCI will contribute to making quantum key distribution technology more mature from a security perspective. There are still a lot of open questions in this uh, regard. So, for example, evaluation criteria for QKD quantum key distribution models still need to be developed. Thank you for that. I would like to understand a bit better what you mean with more developed. 
So what you mentioned in your last part, can you give a specific example? So for for quantum key distribution, you have to uh, you, you need special equipment like um, photon photon sources, for example. The the in theory quantum key distribution is is uh, secure, but in in practice these are so called side channel attacks, and um, it is not clear which um, which side side channels will be. It is not clear which uh, side channels will be possible on quantum key distribution models. So there is a, uh, actually a, a project of the BSI on this, which a colleague of mine uh, is uh, doing at the moment. And um, yeah, and these uh, for quantum key distribution, you also need special protocols. Um, and uh, in, in classical cryptography, you have um, security proofs for your, for your algorithms in uh, quantum key distribution. These protocols also have security proof but, but they are not quite uh, not as good understood as these uh, um, proofs for classical algorithms so um, there is um, there, there needs to be much more work done in this topic that you have a, a better understanding of the security um, of the quantum key distribution protocols and um, how it works wait thank you so much that helps for the understanding. And now I was wondering, so Andrea, in your paper, you also compared the EU with the US approach, as you mentioned earlier, and the paper we have discussed in our first part. Could you elaborate on the biggest differences? Indeed. So the the aim of, of, of this comparison was um, to um, a little bit like take the, the EU by the shoulders and, and shake it and say, hey, uh, Wake up! Things are happening outside. So um, this is a like a small joke, but at the end of the day, uh, that's uh, the reason why um, I chose the the US. Also, because um, um, interestingly enough, and uh, outside of, of of what's happening within the EU, uh, the EU is uh, it's engaging with the US in in for example in post quantum encryption through the Trade and Technology Council. So I thought that it could also be a, an interesting idea to present what it's uh, been done right now and uh, what they. U.S. is doing in this regard, on the one hand, to, to obviously like show the gaps, but on the other hand, to see to say, hey, this is one of the ways that uh, the things could be moving forward, but yet that the U.S. way is not necessarily the best way for Europe. Um, so in this comparison, what uh, I was trying to look into is, uh, well, first of all, um, standardization. Uh, I really focused on, on comparing Uh, the U.S. and the and the EU here for uh, advancements on, on post quantum uh, encryption or the quantum transition. Though um, it is true that uh, I relegated a special place for the EuroQCI, which is like something that it's certainly a flagship uh, European project. So, in that sense, um, these uh, four categories that I did this comparison: standardization, whether there is a, a plan, an agenda uh, for cybersecurity and, and quantum, whether there is a, a roadmap. Um, transforming this strategy or this agenda into something tangible that, that, that creates um, milestones and that uh, indeed like there is like some um, KPIs if you want to say it that way and, and certainly if there's like other things that should be taken into consideration so those four were my categories and what I found out is that um, while you could click you could tick into every category in the US uh, side in the EU you barely could do it 
And certainly you could take into more categories if you're investigating these topics from the member state level. So um, as, for example, like a standardization process, yes, we do have standardization processes um, in the EU, yet the one that is like more advanced is the NIST uh, process that uh, to some extent, one, one way or another, um, European standardization uh, bodies have subscribed to it. So um, most likely the, the algorithms that we're going to be using in the future would be algorithms as standardized by by NIST, by uh, the U.S. Uh, National uh, Institute of Standards. Um, um, this is that's not the, the the acronym. I'm sorry. It's like National uh, National Institute for Standards. Well, like U.S. NIST. Um, so just like I'm, I'm gonna come back to that because I think that it's like a little bit blurry right now. So. Um, Anyway, so what I want to say is that at the end of the at the end of the day, most likely um, European the, the European companies and, and the EU will be uh, using algorithms that have been standardized by by NIST, uh, this uh, US uh, institute. Um, so that's like when it comes to standards or when it comes to cybersecurity agenda, um, there is. Um, a plan in the U.S. Uh, I in, in, in the report we highlighted um, two. So, for example, the 2022 Quantum Cybersecurity Preparedness Act, but also the 2023 National Cybersecurity Strategy, which is not a, a quantum cybersecurity strategy, but certainly has a strong quantum component. So that's like something that that for us it's it's very interesting now, especially when in Brussels we are um, there's like this uh, this uh, discussions happening of of hey maybe we need a cybersecurity act 2.0. So this could be an interesting example of this because at the EU level, as of now, we don't have anything. We have like some uh, mentions to it in several uh, policy documents, but nothing concrete. And at the EU member state level, uh, that's like hard to, to distinguish because there's like several differences, but yet you might find something. When it comes to roadmaps uh, from the US, um, you have the White House that last year issued two memorandums saying, hey, um, public agencies, national um, agencies, public bodies, we need to have an inventory to see where our vulnerabilities lie. And then we need to find a plan to mitigate um, the, these uh, vulnerabilities and to be able to, to prioritize where do we use PQC first. This does not happen at the EU level, but it does happen in some member states. So in, in this case, we can see like member states having a little bit more of like an upper hand or like leverage or advantage um, um, instead of like the EU uh, in this sense. And when it comes to support for other technologies, here the EU, of course, is like extremely relevant to the Euro QCI network that um, as of now, every single member state has subscribed to it, which is another um, success story. And I think that it really like highlights um, the ability that the EU has when it comes to coordinating efforts and setting new priorities. But when we were speaking about this, and once I looked at the US side, uh, we saw that, for example, like um, there is a there is this um, um, uh, proposal for, for having a sandbox to um, accelerate near-term applications, which I think could be also interesting in the in the um, EU side. But there is nothing comparable to the Euro QCI. There is, um, of course, like there is like these attempts of creating a quantum uh, a quantum safe network uh, using DARPA. But in in when it comes to to coordination, when it comes to to investments, when it comes to um, even um, like 
the coordination and and the technology and how the deployment and the advancements of it when it comes to the uh, to this like quantum internet the the EU certainly has a uh, here an advantage but that was a, a little bit of what I wanted to do in the report so just like compare what we were lacking and certainly the number one uh, thing that is missing is this quantum strategy that uh, we might have uh, according to Breton so I'm very looking forward to seeing the developments on this side but as of now or certainly by the time this was published a month ago month and a half ago there was no plans around this thank you so much for diving into this topic so in order to get a better understanding of the differences between the eu and the us i would like to go back to you heike and ask you in this context and what has just been said is it difficult for a collaboration between governments what is your estimate on this yeah um First, let me say that uh, the international cooperation is important, and especially in the area of IT security. So the cyber attacks that does not stop at national borders. So we, we are uh, depending on cooperation. And in the context of post-quantum cryptography, um, there's, a, a, I think, a close cooperation uh, with, uh, f at least from Germany, with the US and, in, um, sorry, Uh, I start again. So in, in the context of post-quantum cryptography, there is a close cooperation with the US, uh, for example, within NATO. And um, for uh, the, the um, standardization, which uh, Andrea already talked about by the National Institute for Standards and Technology, the, the NIST, the, the BSI is um, in, in close exchange with NIST on this. And um, we are following the standardization standardization process and uh, of course we have some um, have made some uh, recommendations that differ somewhat from the NIST uh, um, specification or from the NIST um, recommendations but um, we we do support the activity from NIST uh, in this area and um, we really appreciate that that the NIST has taken this step forward to to uh, for standardization of, of uh, post-quantum cryptography and the BSI is uh, on its own is uh, actively um, in the standardization of uh, special post-quantum cryptography uh, schemes uh, uh, like um, PhotoCam and Classic Megalese in the ISO and uh, at ISO um, NIST is also um, active and also supports the, the activities that uh, BSI is doing there. Thank you. So now, since Andrea mentioned beforehand that we are at this point in time missing quantum strategy, I would like to understand a bit more when we look at the other side of the transatlantic ocean, would you consider the EU fit for purpose when you compare it to the US law? And with what you have just mentioned, what would need to change? Um, yeah, as I said, uh, our survey together with KPMG showed that the awareness in organization is, uh, about this threat is not yet very high. So the situation at uh, the general in the general population uh, is certainly not better. So, um, however, this is not. Uh, uh, This does not only apply to this topic, but to IT security in general. I think so. Um, And um, I think for 
companies and organizations, the, the awareness have to be um, has to be uh, sorry for for uh, companies and organizations that that has, has to be changed urgently that they are aware on this threat but for the end users uh, IT security is at best invisible and works without their knowledge and or without their knowledge or in intervention so um, therefore it may not be necessary for the population at the large to have a high awareness of the threat But what is urgently needed, however, are specialists who deal with the topics of cybersecurity and quantum computing, for, for example, with the development of quantum algorithms for crypt analysis and uh, many other topics. So in this sense, the education and training of specialists in uh, Germany or in the EU uh, urgently needs to be pushed forward. Thank you so much. This is really helpful to listen to. I would like to know, go on the other side of this spectrum. So we've been talking about the EU governments and also the US. So now I would like to shift to the population because at the end of the day, it's also really important that every single one of us has an idea of what's going to happen. Would you consider that our population right now has enough knowledge on these threat that we are talking about, Heike? Yes, of course, uh, the, the lack of uh, people in uh, skilled people in cybersecurity is definitely a problem and um, we have to, to deal with it. And um, yeah, maybe AI is in some part a solution for, um, for this topic and um, the education and programs on this is uh, very welcome. And um, yes, um, of course, I don't want to, to, um, to um, raise... Uh, um, he, sorry, I have to start again. Um, so what Andrea said that uh, quantum computers will don't we will be here um, in a in a second and uh, it, it's um, oh, sorry. <laughs> so on the the topic that Andrea uh, on the point that Andrea um, mentioned that uh, quantum computer will. It will be a long way uh, until the quantum computers will be here and it will, won't be in a second. So uh, there's uh, there's no need for to, to panic at the moment. Yes, there's no need to panic. and um, But uh, we see that the migration will take a lot of time and it will be costly and you have to prepare it in, in a long run. So, um, and especially with the... Um, in view of the store now and decrypt later scenario, we, we see that we have to, to deal with it now and that is not a, that this is not a future problem. So um, yeah, we have to start now. Now I also like to ask Andrea a similar question when we look at the population, also as a follow-up question to understand our landscape. So the question on the EU-US comparison Is the EU keeping their population safe from post-quantum cyber threats, even if, for example, as Heike just mentioned, the population at large does not necessarily have to have that awareness because of IT sections taking care of it and our population needing specialists that do have the expertise on quantum and quantum encryption? Well, first of all, we're speaking about future challenges, so it's hard to to say yes. The U.S. has uh, uh, solved the equation; it's uh, completely fit 
for what is uh for this like new uh like evolution of the threat landscape and and therefore the the eu is completely unprepared that would be like very unfair to the eu and that would be like um extremely unfair also to the us but in it, it i think that while the us has like perhaps like uh taken baby steps uh to prepare the eu we have uh perhaps like delegated uh, this to, to member states, which at the end of the day makes all the sense because if we're speaking about a topic that could be uh, hinder national security, that's a competence that is uh, simply does not belong to the EU. But um, at the end of the day, uh, we are seeing, and that's like a wider reflection in digitalization, how everything impacts um, every other segment as well. So uh, by seeing, for example, like a um, quantum uh, through the lens of national security, we're missing out um, on other um, challenges that it can pose to economic security, for instance. So as I, as I mentioned before, yes, it's not that the EU hasn't written a single thing about quantum. That's, uh, that's not true. So there, is, uh, there are mentions in the 2020 cybersecurity strategy. There are mentions in the, in the strategic compass uh, as well. But, uh, but we need these mentions to be um, something else. And I think that uh, by cooperating with the, with the U.S. and not only solely with the U.S., uh, like the EU can certainly like grasp a little bit more of a, of what the actual like uh, threat landscape looks like. Uh, what are the instruments that could be uh, important for the EU to to develop in this regard? Uh, what is the EU position vis-a-vis like certain debates within uh, within um, like the with the quantum cybersecurity, such as as was uh, mentioned before, uh, should we like put all our eggs in the PQC basket? Should we um, like try to have uh, uh, an in-depth reflection about uh, when to use PQC, when to use QKD, quantum key distribution? Uh, what are the things that we need to accelerate? For, what are the things that we need to prioritize? How do we build uh, like new? procurement and investment programs that help us achieve these objectives. And these objectives necessarily will not be the same ones as, as the U.S. But I think that uh, that having this reflection first at the EU level is very necessary in order to have uh, conversations with international partners, such as in the U.S. in this in this sense, because um, right now I'm thinking of, of for example, at the European Policy Center, we are following very closely developments in the, tr- in the Trade and Technology Council. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, post-quantum cryptography is one of the topics that was uh, identified in the last one, and uh, but there's like also conversations happening um, um, when it comes to cybersecurity, right, and through the EU-US cyber dialogue. So, to what extent should the EU bring up these topics? How the EU can uh, show leadership? Um, how this leadership can be exercised? How this uh, how um, this uh, leadership on certain topics within the quantum transition can help um, the EU? Um, like have like better partnerships with international, with other countries, right? I'm, I'm just like moving even beyond uh, the U.S. So I think that all these questions are something that uh, that we definitely need to start addressing one by one, and with and it starts with ref- with a reflection, and it continues with policy, and that's uh, exactly that's how I would envision the EU to go. Thank you for your elaboration, and. Last but not least, I would like to ask you, Heike, if there's anything else you would like to add. Maybe also on the point that Andrea just mentioned with the lack of uh, cyber-skilled experts that we are missing currently in the EU. The EU has launched on this topic the Cyber Skills Academy, so maybe this is also something that can help to address one of these issues. 
So I think that's a very good question. I definitely need to to echo what Heike said because uh, I completely agree with her that um, organizations um, they are struggling with like regular, if we want to say that way, cybersecurity. Let alone think about or having the expertise to address um, quantum cybersecurity threats. But not only that, I would like to add another thing to the mix. There is a, a real problem when it comes to to investment in cybersecurity from the private sector. So the cybersecurity gap is is huge. And that is uh, certainly going to play a role in how uh, we protect ourselves from like future challenges, future threats, and and certainly how do we prioritize things that we need to to address when it comes to cybersecurity? Because if uh, we are not invested enough in this, so how are we going to invest on on things that are not here tangibly um, here, right? So I think that that's uh, that's another thing. Um, whereas like how to keep the population safe, total security doesn't exist. And, um, and I agree that um, while it's, it's important to, to raise awareness about, hey, there is going to be new challenges, I think it's also important to not uh, fall into the alarmist or apocalyptic trap that quantum computing or like quantum has uh, sometimes like been uh, framed um, because it, it is not it. So it's not that we're going to get up one day and then and nothing is going to work and there's going to be like a uh, cyber per hardware type of cyber attack because uh, somebody has developed uh, a quantum computer and has decided to use it right away. But I think it's interesting uh, to to let people know that um, cybersecurity is, a constant, is in constant evolution every day. There is like new solutions being found. Um, I mean, we're right now discussing quantum, but um, how about the disruptive effect that AI has for cybersecurity, for instance? And it's just only a combination of like um, thinking of new paradigms, thinking of new ways of protecting information that you really keep, uh, but not only like people, but rather like, um, you know, uh, companies and the economy safe. Well, thank you both for your insights on this topic. It was really nice talking to both of you about this. And I thank you also for your time. This is the end of our second part of our podcast on post-quantum encryption. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time.